Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. I just want to recap a little bit of the, uh, the uh, series that we've been in, which is called the Expansion Series. And um, the, first, the first session we talked about was creating spaces for people so they, encounter, they can encounter Jesus. We witnessed this today, didn't we? As we were worshipping Jesus, there was an opportunity for people to meet face to face, whether you were sitting in a seat in one of the rows or as the invitation came, why don't you come forward if you feel like you've been away from God to come forward? This creating spaces for people to encounter Jesus. How many spaces could we create for that to happen? I think the, there's a lot of opportunity for us to be involved in that. Uh, to disciple people so that they can serve their world. This is a, a very important part of growing together. And to raise leaders, as I said, for this purpose, to plant churches. Now, in the, in the Bible, um, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, they talk about the temple. Ah, it worked. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> ah, it works. <laughs> they would talk about lighting a candle or a lampstand in the Old Testament uh, as a reflection that God's presence was in a specific place. So in the temple, it was really important that you kept the candle or the lampstand alight because it symbolised God's presence was in that temple. If you go into the New Testament, it talks about the flame of the Holy Spirit being alive in God's church. And that doesn't mean we've got to keep a candle going in the building. But literally, or metaphorically, his Holy Spirit fell upon God's people and lit a fire in the church, both individually and corporately, so that the fire of the church burns in us. And the Bible says, look after that flame. Look after it. Make sure it doesn't blow out. Make sure that you live a life that allows this flame, or symbolising this morning, this candle to burn brightly. Maybe when you were a child, you sang a song, this little light of man. No, no, no. <laughs> it just means I finish later. <laughs> Like the song reflects this moment of like, let the light, the candle, the flame of the Holy Spirit burn in me personally, and when we come together, burn in the church corporately. It's just a really lovely symbol, isn't it? So we create spaces for people to encounter Jesus. We disciple people so they can serve their world. We raise leaders for what purpose? To plant churches. To plant churches. There is, um, as a leadership team, we've been praying into this. And it's going to be our laser focus over the next 10 years. Unashamedly, 
We're going to be creating spaces for people to encounter Jesus, discipling people to serve their world, raising leaders so that we can go and plant churches. You see, planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. That's a quote from someone called Peter Wagner. We also know this, that new churches best reach the unchurched. So our stats tell us, denominationally, that new church plants gain between 60 and 80% of their congregation from people who were not attending church before. We also know that a planting of new churches is one of the best ways to revitalise many older churches in the vicinity. It's like a family. When a new baby arrives, it's mayhem, but there's excitement, right? There's excitement. In the second service today, uh, we'll be dedicating a child. Why? And we'll all be joining in there. There'll be an excitement. There'll be a party. Why? Because there's a new life. And when there's a new church, there's a revitalization of the area of the churches. There's something exciting happening. And I believe that God has spoken to me about this, and we're going to actively do this. Now, I know some of you have been quite crafty and done all your detective skills, and we've tried to keep this a little bit secret. But tonight, in our prayer meeting, we'll be going to Tewkesbury. Just for a costa, and then we'll come home again. (laughs) Now, we're going to Tewkesbury. We have hired the town hall. And from six to seven, we'll be praying. Why are we praying? We'll be praying with this question. God, do you want us to plant a church in this community? And I need you to come and help me. I need you to come and pray. What is God saying to us about planting another church? So this is not us putting a stake in the ground and going, from now on we're going to be preaching the gospel from this square. This is us taking a spade and digging a hole to see if there's any gold, to see if there's something there. So this, I need some pathfinders, I need some explorers, I need some prayer warriors, I need some people who go, well, I'm not really sure about this, but I can pray, I can stand with you, I can take this church and go to that area and pray, just for one hour, and say, God, do you want us to go and plant a church in this area? As a leadership, we feel drawn to it, so we're taking a step of faith towards it. So tonight, between six and seven, Tewkesbury Town Hall, come and join me as we pray the most exciting prayer we've ever prayed in our life. Does God want us to plant a church here? This is a bit exciting, isn't it? This is a bit scary. Like, what if God says yes? What if God says no? That's exactly right. I just want to be in the room when he answers. I can't waste my time doing stuff God doesn't want us to do. I just want to be on what God wants us to do. So I just want to, on behalf of us, I've organised it for us to be brave tonight. Between six and seven.
If you're online, you can pray for us as well. Wherever you are, you can come and pray for us in Tewkesbury tonight. To help, us, uh, uh, to help us think this through, I feel God's given me a word this morning, and it's based on a biblical character called Noah. If you've never heard of Noah and the ark, what rock have you been under all your life? <laughs> Quite frankly, like if you've never heard of Noah and the ark and the animals that go into the ark, you might not know the deep meaning of it all. Right? But we've all heard of this character called Noah who built an ark and got some animals. You may have even seen the film, not Bruce Almighty, but <laughs> Evan Almighty. That's the right. Like just this character who in the Bible God spoke to him and said, would you build a giant boat in the middle of a desert? And he said, okay. Like, this is just, like, it's a story that's amazing. Would you gather every animal? Okay. And put it in the ark? That's fine. Like, this is just one of the craziest stories, whether it's literal or metaphorical. I'm not here to debate this. The lessons are still the same. It takes great courage and faith to follow God's call. It takes great courage and great faith to be obedient. The lessons are the same. Build a boat. Question number one, what's a boat? If you live in a desert (laughs) and you've never seen the sea before, what's a boat? Now, Kennedy, who's one of our missionaries, had the first time he came to England, he lives in a landlocked country called Zimbabwe. And when he came here, I said, what would you like to do, Kennedy? Is there somewhere you'd like to eat, somewhere I could take you? He said, I'd like to see the sea. And I thought, Western soup, no. (laughs) I drove him to the proper place to see the sea. And he just stood there. And his first question was this. What's the white stuff on top of the water? I said, that's pollution. Let me talk to you about the issues, (laughs) the eco issues that are going on in our country. (laughs) I said, no, that's... Those are called waves. If you've never seen the sea before, like it doesn't matter whether you're 10 or 70, you, someone's got to describe these things to you. Right, now, he, of course, he's heard of a boat because he's got internet. Noah, however, and the people around him, never seen the sea, never seen a boat. And by the way, it's going to rain. What's rain? We live in a desert. Well, it's water that's going to fall from the sky. And by the way, gather every single animal from around the world and put them in the boat. Too many questions, far too many questions. What a crazy story. What kind of person does God entrust with crazy? And what kind of church does God entrust with crazy vision? So today's message is woven into two tracks. Number one, a personal application. And number two, what God is saying to us as a church. Let's find this thing in the Bible. Genesis 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was 
only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I'll wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Wow, what a state to be in. Verse 8, but Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Lord Jesus, will you help us really draw out the necessary tools to outwork what you're speaking to the church today? Amen. The first thing is this. Live right. If you're taking notes, two words to write down. Live right. It says that Noah was a righteous man. In Psalm 1, it says this, blessed is the man. By the way, when the Bible says man, it means man and woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and, he, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whether he, whatever he does prospers. Here's a mantra I live by. The right thing to do is always the right thing to do. This is less about action. Living right is less about action and more about attitude. Truthfully, I would far rather someone do the wrong thing with the right attitude than someone who does the right thing with a stinking attitude. Living right is about living with the right attitude. Skills can be taught, but attitude is your choice. It's what you bring to the party. It's how you position yourself to choose to live according to his word, to choose to live according to his ways, to choose to live according to his culture and his nature. Grace, forgiveness, love and joy are what I desire to be my reputation. It says in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This is the outworking of an attitude, isn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. By the way, this is the Spirit of God outworking these things in us. Right, if you struggle, <laughs> just say, Holy Spirit, light your flame in me so that these fruit can grow in me. They grow in me. A really good biblical example of this is Jonathan and the armour bearer. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, if you're taking notes, put this down real quickly, verse 6 and 7, we have this picture where the, there's an oppressed people, God's people, and the Philistines are the oppressors. And so we get to a point in the battle where there's a Philistine regiment at the top of a cliff, and Jonathan and his armour-bearer at the bottom of the cliff, and that, but they have no weapons. Jonathan's got a sword or a spear, or maybe he's got both. But the armour-bearer says, that's my job, I'll carry the spear and the, the sword just in case something happens and I'm right behind you. And you have these two people, these two men at the bottom of a cliff. And they're thinking, we are just lost. 
We are defeated. We feel so small in this situation. Then it says in verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armour bearer, come let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellas. Uncircumcised fellas was a very, was a big put down. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Hold on. He's standing there, looking at a cliff. He knows at the top there's a Philistine garrison. There's thousands of soldiers at the top. They've got one sword between us. And he's looking, he's going, what do you think? Do you reckon we can take them on? His armor bearer's looking at him going, are you crazy? Are you crazy? There's two of us, one sword, one cliff, thousands of soldiers. But what comes out of Jonathan next is not the magic of I'm going to produce an army or I'm going to produce lots of weapons, but something deep inside of the Jonathan started to declare the nature of God in the situation. <laughs> he says, we may be small, there may be only two of us, there may be only one weapon between the two of us, we are facing a cliff, and we are facing a garrison. But perhaps, perhaps God is with us. Because this is what I know, that my God can rescue us, whether there's many of us, or few of us where there's a thousand of us on two of us it's not how big we are it's about how big God is can you see this living right living right is about not relying on your skill set it's renewing your mind to realize how great God is in your circumstances that is a choice can you see how the nature comes out of him? The culture flows out of him. The fruit that's in him displays itself when he's under pressure. The armour bearer looks at him. He has a choice. He says, do it. I'm with you, heart and soul. And I can imagine Jonathan feeling a little bit strengthened. Right, okay, if you think we could do it, let's go. Whoa, all right, okay then, are you ready? Yeah, you go first. All right, um, don't you want to go first? No, okay then, I'm carrying the weapon. Oh, can I carry the weapon? All right then, that's your job, all right. And the two of them start to climb. As they start to climb, what's going on in their minds? Are we nuts? Are we mate? Are we crazy? And they get to the top. And Jonathan says, here's the plan. If they say, stay there, we'll come and get you, we'll know God's not in it. But if they say, come here, we know God is with us. That's a crazy idea. That's a crazy idea, because if they come towards them, at least you can go down the cliff again. If you're running towards them, you've got no options. They say, they make yourself, and the Philistines look at them and say, come over here. 
And Jonathan looks at the Arbor. Look, God is with us. <laughs> How do you know? Because they said, come over here. And then the miracle happened. The miracle happened. The rest of the chapter, we all know, was a breakthrough. It was a wonderful moment of God's presence. It was a story. It goes so much in history, it got written in the Bible. Where was the decision made when the two of them felt the smallest, the most insignificant, but they chose to live right in the moment of insignificance before they stepped into their future? I'm not exactly sure what to do next, but I know the nature of my God is to save. I'm not going to panic and hit the bottle. I'm not going to blame everybody else and leave the church community in a huff. I'm not going to blame my spouse. Well, maybe a little bit, but I'll ask God to forgive me later. I, but I'm not going to dump my spouse. I'm not going to walk out. I'm not going to shut down my giving and protect my financial affairs. I'm going to live right. That's my choice. I am going to live right. Number two. Take responsibility. Live right, number one. Number two, take responsibility. Everybody say, take responsibility. It says, Noah was blameless among the people of his time. Let's be honest here. Blameless? Really? Let's get this definition right. Blameless does not mean perfect. It does, it does mean you are tested and come through approved, though. Blameless does not mean perfect. It does mean that you are tested and you've come through approved. Firstly, this comes as a sin test. Here's some scriptures to help us. Clearly, in Romans 3 verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's pretty clear. Some of us, no. One of us, no. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. If we've fallen short, there are consequences for our failure. This doesn't speak of blamelessness to me. This speaks of, I should be blamed for the stupid things I've done. But... The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that takes us to the most famous verse of the Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We are blameless not because we haven't transgressed, but because our transgressions have been forgiven. <laughs> I'm not blameless because I'm sinless. I'm blameless because I'm forgiven. Do you hear what the difference? We, there's a yoke that gets placed upon us. You are failing. You are useless. And this is an enemy tactic to keep us small. But I am blameless, not because I'm sin-free. I'm blameless because someone's paid the sin for me. With this wonderful knowledge, it should reflect how we live, how we praise, how we interact with others, with compassion and grace. 
I am made holy, or to be theologically accurate, I am constantly being made holy. Because I don't know about you, but I keep tripping up. Sorry, just me. His grace covers, keeps covering, keeps covering. I keep getting forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? Now, in my house, this is a bit of a confession, we have a recycling process. We used to have one bin a few years ago. Many of you will, I'm not going to get on my soapbox about this. We used to have one bin. We now have six outside our back door. And it's all to do with this recycling process. We have glass, tin, cardboard, that brown box. And we've got the grey bin, which is my favourite bin, because I thought everything used to go in the grey bin. And now we have a green bin and a grey bin, the boxes. And uh, I feel like my, my issues are coming through here. But somehow we've got into the habit. I don't know if this is the same for you. Rather than taking the waste and going out through the back door and putting it straight in one of those bins, we just leave it by the back door. <laughs> and so that's recycling. That's recycling. The next day, there's another bit. There's a few cans. There's some Diet Coke cans. And there's a bit here. And it starts to pile up. By the end of the week, we can't get out the back door. <laughs> and we're all going, I'm sure that's Ali's job. Ali's supposed to be doing it. Ali's going, no, it's definitely Jack's job. Jack's going, no, it's, dad, it's Dad's week to do the recycling. And we all agree it's Abby's job. Abby is my daughter. She doesn't even live in the house anymore. But she can't defend herself. And it's her job to put the waste out. But this is what happens in our life. Our sins pile up at the back door. It's a very simple thing to do. Put sin in the... Stop letting your sin build up at the back door. Because if you allow your sin to build up at the back door, you find yourself blaming someone else that it's there. Oh, I would have dealt with it, but like that. Like this. And you come up with all these excuses. It's someone else to deal with it. No, it's your sin. Open the back door and put sin in the bin. And if you've got six recycling boxes, use the right one. It's quite simple, really. Sin blocks our relationship with God. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's very simple. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. Live right and take responsibility. Number three. Still with me? Walk with God. These are shorter points here. Noah walked with God. Micah 6 verse 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is all about direction. You can't walk with someone going in the opposite direction. (laughs) You can't go, should we go for a walk? Yeah. Well, you go that way, and I'll go this way. Technically, you are going for a walk, but you're not going for a walk with someone. You need to walk with someone, and in this particular point, you need to walk with with God. 
You have to have the same goal. And here's the deal. God picks the direction. As soon as you say, no, I'm going somewhere different, he goes, that's fine, but I'm not changing my direction. You are now no longer walking with me. You can go where you want. Like Jonah, you can run. But I'll still be here. Come back and walk with me. You have to have the same goal. You dig deeper into someone's heart when you walk together. You share the same experiences. You go, oh, look at that, there's a squirrel. Like you, yeah. Look at that, someone's walking a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining walking with someone around the hill. You see it together when you walk together. And here's the beautiful thing. If you fall, he'll pick you up. If you fall on your own, why would you walk without God in your life? Why would you walk through this life without God? You're relying on someone else who's as flawed as you to pick you up. That don't make sense to me. Walk with God. Psalm 37, 23 says, If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Last point is this. Reproduce yourself in others. It says Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It doesn't need to say that, but it does. I've got to be honest with you. Yesterday, when I was talking to all those pastors, and I looked out, I saw Eddie, I saw Greg, I saw Kai, I saw Lisa Daniels, and Chris Williams, and Tom. I tell them they have to sit on the second row so I can watch them. My heart just explodes. They're one of ours. Paul, when he writes about Timothy, Timothy wasn't his blood son. He just grew up in Paul's ministry. He says to Timothy, my true son in the faith, my true son in the faith. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father. You just look, there's four, four, five, six times in the New Testament when Paul affectionately talks about his sons, his daughters. When I was watching Amy just whipping those other pastors into place, standing there like, get in line, I'm in charge now. She's got this big badge that says, I'm the coach. <laughs> Don't listen to that, Simon. I'm in charge. <laughs> these, these people cowering. Pray. You pray. <laughs> uh -oh, I wish that wasn't the truth. <laughs> On your behalf, my heart gets so big. It's one of our daughters. Last week, I... I got a, a letter 
from a friend of ours called Mark Ritchie. It said, I just wanted to say, I had an amazing time with Nathan this weekend. He's a great guy and our conversations were stimulating. Thanks for letting him come and serve me. I'm like, Nathan? I just ruined that, didn't I? That, there was a nice R in the room, and I just went, blew it in one moment. I love the reports we get from our interns at Missio Day, from Tim and Brandon and Jess. Makes my heart big. I love it when our people come back from mission, and they tell the stories of like, I was too scared to do this, but I stood up and I did it. My heart goes... And if your heart doesn't, you are part of the family. You are a son and a daughter in the family. Go and live with the authority of a son and a daughter. Because as you do so, you will reproduce others around you as well. Who are your sons and daughters? God has put a flame of hope in you that needs to be passed on. And here, I have four candles. <laughs> this whole preacher's just been set up to say this. <laughs> I can sit down and rest, we can pray. I know half of you have no idea what I'm doing. But those who do, it was worth it. Let me finish with a prophetic picture. This is us. A bit worn out, a bit half cooked. <laughs> it's got a bit of match in it, you know? Because you can't get it out, and it, there's all sorts of. It's not the prettiest. It, it does smell pretty terrible, actually. You wouldn't walk into a room and go, whoa! But the important thing is it's doing what it's supposed to do. The flame is alive. That's all it's meant to do. It's meant to carry a flame. And whether you apply this message personally, you are meant to carry the flame of the Holy Spirit inside of you. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. It doesn't matter what the history is. It doesn't matter whether it's marked or whether it's... Uh, gnarly or whether it's beautiful or scented it just needs to carry a flame and if the flame isn't burning in you this morning wake up because the Holy Spirit has left you and you need to invite him back in the Holy Spirit needs to be alive in you again and here's the beautiful thing you just need a clean wick and say, light me again. See, because when your flame burns, it doesn't cost too much. To light the flame in someone else. 
another son, another daughter, someone who's sitting down the road to you, down the road to you, who now knows Jesus because you let your flame shine a bit bright and they caught it. And it's the same for us as a church. Corporately, here we are, well over a hundred years old now. Certainly not perfect. Maybe we smelt good once. It doesn't cost much to pass on the flame of this church. To start another. Oh, by God's grace. Wouldn't that be fabulous? That the flame of this church ignited the flame in another church and another church. Very slim. God. Do you want us to light a flame in Tewkesbury? I don't know. But I'm going to take my flame and I'm going to go to the heart of that place and pray, God, let this fire burn here, God, and you'll send the people to catch that alight. That's a wonderful thing. Maybe this one ignites another one wouldn't that be great if this one lit this one and this one lit this one and maybe we could find some more candles it won't be as funny as four candles well we had dozens of candles God will you light the fire in us again God will you light the fire in me again I want to burn for you Jesus I want this gift that's in me to shine for people to look at me and see Jesus. I want every person in this room to burn with a fire that people go, I don't know what's different about you. You say, it's not me, it's Jesus. The Spirit of God is alive in me. You might be old and gnarly, you may have lost your scent. You may just be a, well, you may be one of these new ones. A little bit difficult to handle, <laughs> front of dropping it. But God, I have a wick that's trimmed. Will you light the fire in me today, please? Maybe this message is helping you. But tonight, we are going to Tewkesbury. Even if you don't come, we are going. And we're gonna light a fire that burns for the glory of God. Someone planted the church that you got saved into. And someone will be saved in the church that you planted.
If you're online, would you stand? If you're in the room, would you stand? Will you light the fire in me again, Jesus? Amen. Amazing. Anybody else feel suitably challenged? I'll be honest with you. About, I don't know, 18 months ago when this thing hit Simon and he was talking about planting churches and things like this, I had to repent because I was like, the last eight years has been so difficult. I don't think I can do that again. That's me being really honest right now because I know that there'll be people sat in the rows right now feeling exactly like I did, like that's a lot of hard work. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Really exciting for everybody else that's going to go and do that. (laughs) I had to repent and go, okay, Jesus, who am I to say that you can't? Huh? I'm just being honest with you. But, um,. A challenging message but a message we need to receive because this is this is the trajectory we're on now and and you know I, I'm excited that we're gonna see more people like you coming to church because somebody started another church that's exciting isn't it the, the little evangelist in me is like yeah come on and then the tired human in me is like oh that's hard but do you know who's gonna win the little evangelist in me because I'm like come on God there are more people I, I there are too many people that are leaving this planet never knowing your voice never knowing the hope that I've found in you never knowing the freedom that I've found in you and I want to be a part of the solution for that and if it means I'm a bit more tired and if it means I'm a bit more uncomfortable if it means I have to find more resources if it means I have to make crazy declarations that wind people up that's okay because I'm saying I I want to see people encounter Jesus and if that means I've got to start another service somewhere else then that's what we're going to do <laughs> but nobody will be left behind because this is our thing this is our church and we get to be part of it together um, which is really exciting and I, I don't know whether you feel like hey yeah I'm up for it let's go for it or whether you're feeling a bit like oh I'm not sure but um, uh, Hugh shared a word with us at our prayer night uh, a few weeks ago and I just really felt while Simon was speaking to share it with us uh, today and it was this he said he was thinking about the the walls of Jericho we know this story if you don't know this story ask Greg about it afterwards Um, but this story and the Israelites basically uh, were going to God instructed them to walk around this, the walls, the city walls for, for a few days and then at the end they'd do it seven times and then on the last lap they would shout for joy for God and the walls came crumbling down, right? And I, he was saying from this perspective of like, can you imagine being like, we're going to walk around the walls? Are you joking? There would have been some people that would have been straight away, yeah, come on, let's do it. And I bet you there would have been some people that were walking around uh, the, the, the walls who were like, oh man, what, what even are we doing? What even are we doing? This just seems like an absolute waste of time. This seems like a lot of hard work. Oh man, the sand's getting between my toes and, you know, and just walking around and like, oh man, what are we even doing? And 
But the, the beautiful thing was this. He landed with this thought. Even the people, look back at me, even the people who were walking around the walls that had been uh, finding it really difficult, that were finding it like, oh, this is a lot of hard work, even those people got to enjoy the victory. So if you're in here today and you're like, I'm just I'm too tired for this, that's okay. You get to be a part of this. You still get to be a part of this. You still get to join in with the victory of what is to come. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, why don't you just uh, stand to your feet. We're going to pray. And then uh, wrap this thing up. Jesus, we submit to wherever we are feeling right now about this. And we say thank you, Jesus, that uh, you have called this church to a crazy vision. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be a part of your solution for reaching the world around us. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be a part of the victory, just like those walking around the walls of Jericho. that we get to be a part of your story, that we get to take part in the victory that is yours, Jesus. And we just say, yes, now, we're here for it. We're here for it. God, we pray over Pastor Simon and Pastor Ali that you would, um, God, keep this vision like razor sharp in them, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would send them resource. I pray that you would give them divine strategy. I pray, Father God, that um, as we step out in faith, that you would be faithful to meet us in all of those things. We pray for the guys in Gloucester who are going to Tewkesbury today, God. Would you be clear? clear, clear, clear about what is ahead there, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen. Hey, take your seats for a second.